USA, Mexico. Once again, battling it out to see who is the top dog in CONCACAF. We got the better of them already two times this year, but now on the biggest stage of all in World Cup qualifying, can we get it done? We'll talk about it all on this episode of Stars and Strikes, The Road to Qatar 2022. Let's go. Yeah, Chaz, here we go again. We're going back into our next round of World Cup qualifying games. Um, you know, it's been ro- rocky uh, in that first round. We kind of stepped it up. And now we're here going against our biggest opponent yet um, to potentially take the first place spot in the uh, in the group. So this is going to be a huge round. Um, I think with the results that we got in the last stage, we're definitely sitting a bit more comfortable. There's definitely a, le- a bit less of, um, you know, anger around the camp. But that being said, just because we're a little bit more comfortable now doesn't mean we could let up. These two games coming up versus Mexico versus Jamaica are still just as big as any other. I mean, we have to secure any points possible, um, you know, just to prevent anything, anything at all. Like what happened in 2018. I mean, we got we just got to secure it as early as we can. I mean, yeah, you're talking about a crucial qualifying, you know, window here. Six points here is an absolute must. We talked about you know, the disappointment from both of the last qualifying windows, there were letdowns in each of them. This is really important to have these games on, or at least the Mexico game on home soil against Mexico, the team that is currently at top of the table with 14 points. We're in second at 11. They have the goal difference by two. So if we win two, nothing, things are all dead, even so-and-so. However, like you get six points here, you're setting yourself up pretty, pretty well you know, to qualify for the World Cup in 2022. And this is the last qualifying window until 2022. Those other games are at the beginning of the year and the World Cup is at the end of the year. If you have everything all wrapped up, Greg will be able to maybe even tinker a bit and to a point where we won't be losing our minds or he's not going to be costing us by trying to throw out a random game where he goes five at the back or three at the back. I know we were losing our minds over it when he did that in previous games here in qualifying and it doesn't make any sense, but if you wrap things up, you can actually try that stuff and try other players to see who's going to be in that 23 man squad on the plane to Qatar. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as the sooner we qualify, the sooner we get the opportunity to fine tune this team. Um, and I think that's the word I was looking for fine tune. There you go. Yeah. And I think that at that, the, the uh, as soon as we get the opportunity to fine tune the squad, uh, you know, considering all the crazy ideas and and options that Greg has has thrown out in the past, I think it would be beneficial to have more time than none um, to fine tune this squad. I mean, just to have him experience those those different little tactics with different players, um, so that when the World Cup comes around, we know exactly what we're doing. I mean, we still talk about this squad not really having a true identity or a true way to play. You know, Greg's throwing out these different um, tactics and everything. And I think 2022 should be the year where we figure that out, you know? So there's still a lot of games to go, granted. Um, But 
the bigger that we have, the bigger of a buffer we have going into 2022, the better. I mean, so that we have, so that we're able to be comfortable going into some some uh, more windows in 2022. So I think it's this window, uh, like you said, is definitely important. I mean, just because we're in the top three of of the group now doesn't mean anything because it's still a long way to go. And and but that being said, the more points we get early on is the more comfortable we can be later. Um, in and the I mean, you, you talk about being in a tight group right now. Mexico's in, four, in first with 14 points. We're in second at 11. Canada's right behind us in third with 10 points. And then Panama in fourth is sitting on eight points. So that's, that's a one-game swing right there that we could find ourselves booted out of the top three and having to go play in the qualifying tournament against the Oceania teams. And that is not a situation you want to be in. That's how Mexico had to qualify for 2014. And you never know what can happen in a one-off game. If you wrap things up now, you get six points here, you start off 2022 hot, then you can just cruise into it. You don't have to be pushing players over. It's already going to be a crowded schedule in 2022 because of the pandemic and the residual effects of that and having a World Cup in the fall. But you don't want to be overworking these players and having them be injured and end up missing the World Cup. So that's another thing you got to consider, too, is just the the miles that these players are going to have to run and, and you know, wrapping things up earlier, as you said it best, is as is, is good as you can get. Um, let's go focus on this window specifically now, though, Ryan. And first, let's just take a look at the squad. And I think the biggest thing and the most important thing is that Christian Pulisic is in. He came off the bench a couple of times for Chelsea over the last week or two. Um, you know, got a little bit of game action, but he'd been out until this previous week from that ankle injury he suffered in that last window. And the biggest question is, how involved is he going to be? Can he start against Mexico? Can he start against Jamaica? Or is he going to have to be a guy that can come off the bench around the 60th minute and try and make an impact in that way? Because Greg said he's going to play. He's going to have an impact in these games. It's just going to be how healthy, how is that ankle feeling so to see if he can go or how long he can go against Mexico and Jamaica. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting conversation because. Um, you know, we can look at our other attacking options and, and we have, we have other guys that are in form. Um, but it, it, it's almost, you know, we, we've, we've seen Brendan Aronson do great. And I think he's, he's more than, more than capable of, of that starting position. Um, Pepe obviously um, gets the nod from me. Um, and then it just comes down to that third option as, as whether, whether who's going to play in that other spot where it's going to be Tim Weah, um, is it going to be Paul Ariola? Um, so I think it just comes down to if if that third man is is up to the challenge, you know, um, because theoretically speaking, our our team looks good. You know, we we shouldn't we're not the team anymore that depends on Christian Pulisic to win us big games. I, of course, like he is our best player, and when he does play for us, it's magical, and he he helps us a, a ton, but. I think Greg will be looking at his, at his options and saying, you know, if these guys are playing their best game, if they're playing in form, we won't necessarily need Christian until the 60th minute, you know, in the event that things aren't going our way. But um, based off what we've seen, I mean, Brendan Aronson has been playing great. Um, Tim Weah has been playing great. Um, Pepe obviously has been playing great. So 
with that notion, I, I would say that, um, you know, take it easy on Christian. But that being said, we don't know what's going to happen. It's, know, Mexico. Um, it's Mexico. It's Mexico. So worse comes to worse. We could very well see Christian coming in at the 45 minute. Um, we could very well see him starting. I mean, it just depends how how we're feeling going into this game and and what kind of trust Greg is willing to put into those younger yeah. guys, Aronson, uh, Pepe, and uh, Musa, I mean, not Musa, Wea. Wea. Yeah, and, you know, you don't want to push him too much. I understand we, we get this is a huge game and a huge window, but at the end of the day, you don't want to re-injure that and make it become more of a nagging thing where this continues – to stretch on into 2022. We know the injury problems that Christian has had this year. And at the end of last year, he's really struggled with it being on the field. And when he's been on the field, he's been great. It's just finding that consistency to stay on the field, keep getting starting minutes for Chelsea. Cause when he's tr- started for Chelsea, he's been one of their most influential players. The problem is he'll be playing well and then he gets hurt and it takes some time to get back, starts playing well again. And right as that happens, he gets hurt. And you really want him now that he's starting to mature and his body's starting to mature to not have these nagging injuries because they can really derail a career. And we don't want to see that happen. I don't think that is what's going to happen with uh, Christian knocking on wood. You guys can't see it, but I got a wood desk. I'm knocking on the wood. That doesn't happen. And he's able to stay healthy. Um, but yeah, that, that is a very big conversation that you got to have with Chelsea, the medical teams of both the U S and Chelsea and the player himself, because we know Christian's going to want to play in this game, especially against Jamaica. And if I were to say which game do I think he he features more in, I think it's Jamaica. Do you push him a little bit, or excuse me, not Jamaica, it's, it's Mexico. If you're going to push him in one of the games, obviously it's going to be Mexico. It's on home soil. It's against the leaders, the top of the table, our arch rivals. I mean, it's Mexico. There shouldn't be much more of a conversation than that. Um, but, you know, looking at more of the squad overall, you look at some other guys that are in. Joe Scaley is getting his first senior national team call. He's been absolutely balling out for uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach playing as a right back. He's also played at right wing back and right midfield at times. And I think he also played at left back in one of the games. But he started every game for them over in the Bundesliga. And then Jesus Ferreira from FC Dallas, the strike partner for Ricardo Pepe out there. He's had a really good season uh, in the MLS. He gets another call up in his first uh, – call but I think it was at the end of or the beginning of 2020 2021 it was uh when we were playing in Orlando kind of right out of the uh COVID barriers it was the MLS based team he scored two goals in those games so it's good to see Jesus get back and we saw him in the Olympic tournament um Ryan what do you think of their inclusions yeah it's it's um I think it's it's cool to see some of these different options like we mentioned um you know, going into 2022 is going to be the time when we uh, get the chance, hopefully, if we get the points, is get the chance to fine-tune this team. And these guys are, are potential options. I mean, we talk about especially the number nine position. Um, uh, you know, if if we do get a nailed-on number nine, um, if, if that is Pepe, if that's someone else, I mean, we also have DK in form. He's not with the squad, but we also have DK in form right now. But if we do nail on a number nine, it's, there's also a conversation of, of who can come off the bench and who can play this role, who can play that role, if we want to switch up the, um, you know, our attacking style. So it's, I think it's always good to bring in, um, you know, different strikers, different options. Um, and like you mentioned, Ferreira has scored a couple goals 
um, for the national team in the past. So why not bring him around again, as opposed to some um, of the other strikers who we've given more of a prolonged period of opportunities. Um, so I think it's cool. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily see him getting very much play time, maybe more in the Jamaica game um, off the bench, but um, especially with Pepe in the team, it could benefit him. Um, you know, if they have that, they already have that dynamic built. So maybe it's something that we see in the Jamaica game, them link up in that same way that they do at Dallas. It could be interesting to see, and maybe it's something to um, have Greg think about, uh, you know, that kind of uh, tactic. Yeah. And, and Ferreira is a very different type of forward than Pepe is. When we seen Ferreira play for the U S he's much more of a false nine type center forward. He's the type of guy that's going to drop deep to take ball or to receive the ball in midfield and try and distribute. He has some goal scoring touched and we've seen it in the red, white, and blue already. We see him score some goals, both in the Olympic team uh, for the youth national teams. We've also seen it when he did have his appearance uh, earlier this year with the senior team. And then when you think about Joe Scaly, he's a guy that could definitely get thrust into the action. Obviously we have the likes of DeAndre Yedlin and Reggie Cannon here in the squad in the absence of Serginio Dest, who's still out injured. These are two guys that could have an impact. And then, you know, looking at guys who are out, the most notable name that isn't an injury is John Brooks. And he took full accountability. And in an interview, he said, you know what? I don't deserve to be called up. I have not played well in my recent games and I need to step it up. And I think that's completely fair because we haven't seen the John Brooks that we know and love um, over the last couple of months. Yeah, and I think this is um, absolutely the, the, the right move um, by Greg and, and by the camp. I mean, you got we got options. I mean, obviously, John Brooks is our number one option. Without a doubt, when he's playing best, he is our number one option in center defense. But we have other options to get us to the World Cup. I mean, that being said, in the World Cup, I would want our number one option. But we need him to be in that proper mindset. We need him to be in form. Um, and if he's not, then we need to, you know, we can't, we can't give any player the, you know, just the benefit of the doubt um, just because they are who they are. You know um, it's, it's, I think he should be treated just as anyone else. You know, I, if, if he's not playing well, he's got to, he's got to work for it. And I think that's a great um great thing to push in this camp is is that nobody's really safe i mean obviously that sounds pretty derogatory but i think at the end of the day it, it pushes players it, it drives players to to get the best out of them knowing that there's a next the next window for qualifications coming up you know i want to be playing my best i want to get that call up um so in no means do i think anybody should be safe i mean we've seen zach stefan too when he's fit he doesn't necessarily get the nod um, like we saw in the last the last round of games, um, Matt Turner was playing. Um, so just stuff like that. I think it's it's good to see that um, Greg Berhalter the accountability. isn't necessarily. The accountability. Exactly, yeah. and, and, and Greg is sending a message that you can't just walk into this team. I don't care who you are, what your name is, which club you're playing for. If you're not playing well and you haven't been performing as of late, other players are going to step up and take your spot. Um, we've seen Miles Robinson have a great summer and a good start to this qualifying cycle. He's in. We got Chris Richards, who's been balling out for Hoffenheim. And you also got guys like Walker Zimmerman coming off of a really good season for uh, Nashville. And then you got Mark McKenzie coming in, who's been playing pretty well over in Belgium. 
So it, it's not as simple as he can just walk into this team. And, you know, there are other guys that aren't in this squad that maybe think that they deserve to have a shout, like, like a Matt Miazga. So there's a lot more competition for spots right now than we've pretty much ever seen. And that's a good problem to have. And hopefully that gives John Brooks the kick up the butt that he needs to get himself right, get himself back on track. Because when John Brooks is John Brooks, this team is much better and he walks right into this team. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, he's, he's without a doubt um, on form, our, our best option. So we just need to, to give him some sort of motivation to get back into that form. I mean, um, cause when he's playing, playing well for us, just his distribution, his strength, um, that's, that's stuff that we haven't really seen from our other options. And, and we really need someone, especially commanding, um, uh, you know, a, a veteran figure in the back is, is really, really important to this otherwise young back line. And I think he, he has a huge role to play, but he just has to earn it. I mean, there's no, there's no walking into this team. So, uh, I think it's it. This is great, a, a great choice by Berhalter just to kind of um, cool cool it off, um, you know, get him back in the right mindset and maybe bring him back in the future. But without with that being said, too, it's a good opportunity for the guys who have who are looking for an opportunity to step up. I mean, like Chris Richards, um, this could could be a big opportunity for him as well. So. Yeah, and let's look at some guys that got left out who actually have been on form. Starting off things with Daryl DK. I mean, he was on an absolute tear for Orlando City in the last couple of games of the season. He scored in four straight games to end the season for them, or at least to end the regular season, excuse me. But he's not on this list. And he was a guy that we talked about was in great form. He was playing for the national team involved. And then he kind of just fell off after he came back got injured, wasn't part of the squad, wasn't playing well, kind of lost his confidence, but he's a guy now that's kind of got his swagger back. And honestly, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised he wasn't involved here in this, uh, this window. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I didn't seem too surprised about it. Obviously he's in form. Um, I didn't seem, I was surprised about the inclusion of Ferreira. Um, but when we talk about it, you know, obviously it may be more of a, um, of, of Greg trying to feel out Ferreira and Pepe together. Um, Cause I think when you talk about um, DK, it's, it's, it's more of a conversation of Pepe or DK. And I don't think Pepe has um, really done anything to lose a position in the team yet. So I think what Greg saw was, was an opportunity to maybe asset Pepe rather than replace. Him. So I think um, including Ferreira over DK is is could be more of a, a tactical decision um just to try and get the best out of Pepe who's already on form um and granted if if that doesn't work out then you can in the future bring in DK again if he continues his form and and have that as a different option um but right now it seems like maybe he wants to try out this option of maybe um having them in the camp together you couldn't have two strikers that are more different. And that's not to say that Jesus Ferreira doesn't have the goal output or can't create because he had eight goals and eight assists in 27 games this season at MLS. He's been getting the job done for FC Dallas. Um, and another guy that's gotten left out is uh, DeJordi Mihailovic. We haven't seen him with the senior national team for a while. He had a great season in the MLS up in Montreal 
four only four goals have we had 14 assists this season for uh cf montreal i i almost thought uh, montreal impact it's sometimes for uh, hard to remember that they changed their name but yeah. regardless um and he was a guy that the reason i wanted to put this in there is that he got asked about it and he said yeah i'm mad i think i should have been in this team i think i deserved a shout obviously an attacking midfielder um do you think that he deserved more of a look in here um you know i think he does but not now um i think going out of the last camp um there's not much change in who's been informed and who's not been informed i don't think any of those players in midfield necessarily deserve a a peg down and you know uh um not a spot in this team maybe you can argue christian rolled on but um but there's going to be opportunity for Mihailovic. Um, and I think that these games are, are really important. So I think it's just best to keep what's been working. Obviously, John Luca Busio has been in crazy form too. So um, he was around in the last camp. And I think it's, it's, um, it's just a matter of Greg wanting to keep some continuity between the camps and, and, and go into these big games with what we know is working rather than switch something up. Um, that being said, I'm giving Greg huge benefit of the doubt here because by saying that he's not wanting to switch things up, he has definitely switched things up in the past. So um, who knows? Maybe it may be a total reason why. I'm yeah, hopefully he doesn't the camp, do it. But that's, that's what I'm assuming. Yeah, and, and, and that's a good point. And I think the experience factor is also something we have to consider here. I mean, these are going to be two hostile environments, our biggest rivals. Then you got to go on the road to Jamaica, a team that hasn't started qualifying as well as they would have liked the team that feel feels like they should be competing much more for a world cup spot than they have been. You know, you got the guys like Christian Roldan and Sebastian Legette. Those are probably the two names that you could say, Oh, you know, maybe Mihailovic should have been given in, given a shout over the two of them or one of the two of them, excuse me. But you know, both of them are two versatile players that can come off the bench, play in a multitude of roles however you need them to do. And I think Greg just trusts them more at this point. Maybe Mihailovic for the next window. But for this window, I, I kind of tend to see where Greg was thinking there, if that makes sense. Yeah, and then absolutely. why don't we, before we get into Mexico preview, why don't we just go with a quick little uh, update of the guys around the world? Because it's been a while since we've had an episode. So just starting things off, uh, let's do. Let's start with Italy. Uh, John Lucabusio and Weston McKinney have been balling. And I feel like I've been saying that about, about a lot of guys at this episode, but the reality is both of them have been playing really well for Juventus and Venezia, uh, respectfully, respectively. Um, Weston McKenney's got himself on the goal scoring uh, train a little bit. Same with John Lucabusio, who's been, I believe Fop Mob has rated him their best player so far this season in Serie A. So two guys. Not just Fop really Mob, well. too. That's, that's, um, John, the John Luca Busio hype train is is coming out of everywhere. I mean, so many people um, uh, are are rating this guy as, as the reason for Venezia, you know, clicking as they do. I mean, he's he's become um, he came into this team as one of the lesser experienced younger guys. To me personally, I didn't expect him to play such a big role, but he's come into this team and really kind of made it his own. I mean, in the midfield, he is a huge huge part of uh, of the way that they play and a lot of people are recognizing that in italy um pundits and everything um 
he's he's becoming a huge part of this team and i think uh, that's that's special because it's it's obviously a new team he's he there's not really anyone above him and he could i think it's it's a great environment for him to just kind of play his game um and reap the reap the rewards so um really awesome to see um the situation that he's in over there um yeah like you said he's balling man and he's he's playing each and every game for them since the opening game of the season where he didn't have his bc yet he's played in every game he's played more i think it, only one time he's played less than 80 or than less than 75 minutes and that was a game where he played a half against Sassuolo and they lost three to one. Like he's been playing a lot and he's been playing well. And then West McKenney, we mentioned getting a couple of goals for Juventus. So hopefully the two of them coming in confident, if we could get some goals from midfield, um, which has been something we've been lacking a little bit as of late, that could be huge, especially in a game against Mexico. McKenney scored in that nation's league final against Mexico. We know that was a huge goal to tie it up at two, two. So hopefully we can get him going. Uh, in the uh, form and then in terms of injuries guys that aren't here Giovanni Reina still out with that hamstring injury Uh, it's looking like we might not see him until the beginning of 2022 which is really gut-wrenching because it seemed like maybe he was starting to get back Um, we might see him you know in the the closing months here of this year however he suffered a setback so hopefully he can get that hamstring right and we'll see him back on the field for the black and yellow Serginio Dest misses out on this window because of an injury as well as does Matthew Hoppy, who, like Reyna, we probably won't see until 2022. So that kind of stinks for them. And, and it's unfortunate because those are a couple of really talented players, uh, especially Reyna and Dest, who are key members of this team and that would be starting, you know, against Mexico, a, a team against Mexico who we're going to break down a little bit uh, later. But they got their A-boys. They got their A-team. They got their, their, their squad is ready to roll here uh, in this window. And then something about Matthew Hoppy we haven't touched on yet is his struggle to adapt to life over in Spain. I was reading something today that was saying the language has been an issue for him. Um, and that's kind of to be expected. He's a young kid, 18, 19, or I think he's 19 years old now, um, but he's going to a new country. He doesn't know the language. And their manager had said, you know, one-on-one, I speak English with him. But when we're in a group, it's Spanish. And at times he misses out on some things tactically, And then also off the field, he hasn't been able to connect with his teammates as much. I think a lot of times we just assume that they go into these, you know, a a step up or they're going to this team in the Premier League, in the Bundesliga, in Syria, wherever they go, that they can just slot right in. And that's not always the case. Yeah, and and that's a lot of the times why Germany is looked at as such an ideal place for Americans, too, is because um, English is, is... such a bigger part of uh, their language. I mean, they obviously speak German a lot, but um, a lot of the teams are more culturally um, different. So English is more widely used over there. Um, but in Spain, that's, that's a, you know, a great point as to bring up the talk about the language barriers. It's because it's, it's, if, you know, he hasn't been learning Spanish um, it's definitely, I'm sure difficult because a lot of his teammates are Spanish and there's not really any way around that other than forcing himself to learn Spanish. And that takes time. Um, you know, his, his game may be one thing, but that's kind of an external boundary that, that can affect it negatively, which is unfortunate, but um, we'll see how he manages to get around that. Um, he's still, he's still a talented player. So, so there's, there's going to be 
you know, his, his game will speak for itself eventually, but in this case, he's got to do a little bit more. So we'll see how that, um, how that plays out or, you know, if he ends up moving elsewhere. And then quick little transfer roundup, Daryl DK and Ricardo Pepe once again have been linked heavily to moves to Europe, this transfer window upcoming in January. Um, it seems like Pepe might be the more likely of the two. Although I think both of these are very realistic that it could happen. We saw what Daryl DK did in his time in the English championship. So maybe a championship club takes a punt on him like that, or even a Premier League team or another European team can see what he's doing. Now. And especially now that he's been playing the way he's been playing in the goal scoring form that he is in, wouldn't be shocked to see him get a move. And then Ricardo Pepe, the hype train, you know, just keeps on rolling. It seems like all big club after big club um, across the Champions League and the Europa League teams have been interested in him. And for him, I just hope that he can go into a situation where he'll be able to get consistent minutes and he won't just be frozen out of the team. And it'll be a situation where, you know, he's playing reserve ball or he's just coming off the bench here and there because that's really hurt some players. Yeah. Um, on the note of DK, I mean, this guy's absolutely got to go to go to England. Um, regardless of where his his uh, um, options are coming from, I think this guy is just he, he's perfectly fit for playing championship ball and maybe eventually Premier League football. But he's, could you not see a, a a team that's fighting to stay in the Premier League getting a big, powerful striker that's good at holding the ball and that can win aerial duels and be absolutely. physical? Because I feel like I th this guy. I'm not trying to say he's got Burnley written all over him at this point in his career, but I mean, for a player out of like MLS, that. Burnley is a great option too. I mean, that's I could totally yeah. see him playing that role, and I think he will he will dominate that role. He's that's that's I, if anything, that this guy is built for for playing that kind of football. Um, that's scrappy, uh, you know, get results um, for what it takes kind of football. Because um, he's got he's got the build, he's got the power, he's got the pace and ability for it um, for what's required in that kind of um position system. in the premier yeah. league so for me i hope that's where he ends up whether it's in the championship or in the um english first division um and then on on the note of Pepe as well um i could see him going um you know a handful of places germany's definitely been a um a big contender and, and different teams out of germany even bayern munich i've heard but like you mentioned um it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a decision that he has to make um, and kind of tone out the big teams potentially and say, I got to make the move that's best for my career. And so what, regardless of what that team may be, um, I hope it's like you said, a team that gives him the minutes and Bayern Munich, while it may seem attractive, um, obviously that's not going to be where the minutes are. So we'll see where he yeah. ends up. Cause I think he could Robert Lewandowski is not going anywhere anytime soon. Not at all. Yeah. And, and so he could, but he has the ability to play in, in any, any kind of league that he wants. I mean, not to say that DK doesn't, but I think DK is fit for that Premier League too. So we'll see yeah. um, what option fits him best. And then speaking of the Premier League, Josh Sargent has just really struggled. I mean, I think in our, in our script, I just wrote Josh Sargent sucking. I mean, he still has yet to score a goal. Uh, I think I think I saw a stat the other day that was saying that he hasn't had a shot on target yet. He's been struggling for minutes. So hopefully he's able to turn it around. Obviously, Norwich 
they're not a great club right now. Um, well, not, not necessarily to rip on Norwich, but they're just not quite at the Premier League level right now. They've been really struggling over there in the Premier League. And again, we, we talked about the problems with Josh Sargent at Werder Bremen was he was playing behind the ball. It, it, he just wasn't getting opportunities in front of goal. And that hasn't really happened for him in Norwich either. Um, you know, I, I understand the move, the want to move to England. And maybe the best thing for him is that Norwich gets relegated and he plays in the championship. And, you know, we, we were talking about how, you know, it's huge for him if he can play in don't, we don't want him playing in the Bundesliga too, because that is a big step down from the Bundesliga. And obviously the championship is a massive step down from the premier league. However, that might be what Josh Sargent needs just to find his goal scoring uh, boots back just to just to get a little bit of swagger back and that could actually translate well to CONCACAF I mean think about the way that you everyone views how the championship is played and you think about how championship games are when you watch them they're very physical teams are tough it is a tough fixture list that sounds a lot like CONCACAF qualifying um, you know the, maybe the facilities aren't as great I mean it does it not sound like having to go play in Trinidad and Tobago or having to go play Jamaica? Like these teams are going to rough you up. They're going to, they're going to kick you. They're going to spit at you. And then you got to go turn around and play a game in Canada the next weekend. And that's, that's the type of thing that maybe that's actually what he needs. And it's just about getting consistent minutes and consistent opportunities because he has the talent. We know all the good things that Josh Sargent can do. It's just, he hasn't been able to do them. Yeah, and that being said, too, um, you know, we could dog on Josh Sargent all we want, and I do agree that he's not been his best. He's not in a great scenario right now. But at the same time, like, no player is thriving at Norwich right now, you know? Oh, um, no, exactly. That, their, that, that, their was my, best, that was part of my point. Yeah, and, and their, best, their best player, I mean, maybe Todd Cantwell, um, who's injured right now, but even he, like, you know, they have five points after 11 games played and there's, there's no, there's no breathing. So I think, like you said, the championship may be where, um, um, where Norwich is a bit more level-headed with the other, uh, other teams in the division. Um, that could, that could ultimately give the yeah, opportunity. They've scored to these five players, goals so. this season. They've scored five goals. Timu Puki has three of them. And then I've never even heard of, Matthias Norman or Andrew Oma, Oma, some, some Ireland guys, no offense <laughs> to these two dudes. They're Premier League footballers. I'm not trying to say anything, but the reality is like, this is just not a very good team. And it's, yeah, it, it's hard to expect a lot from Josh when the talent around him just, just isn't there. And obviously, you know, you, you got the likes of Billy Gilmore, but he's not going to, he's not going to score goals. He's, he's your, you know, your John Luca Busio type player. Um, yeah. possession and stuff. So, you know, it, it's unfortunate for Josh. And I think he's probably lost a little bit of his swagger. And I, in, in part of that isn't due to the fact that he's seeing guys overtake him in the depth chart beforehand. I mean, a couple months ago, we were talking about, you know what, Josh Sargent hasn't been scoring goals, but what he offers outside of the goals, his pressing ability, his ability to link play up is why, you know, maybe he still gets that number nine role because he's playing well with Christian, he plays well with Gio. Now you got a guy like Ricardo Pepe who's just putting the ball in the back of the net. 
And at the end of the day in qualifying, that's, that's what, that's what it's all about. And then you see guys like Jordan Sibich, who is not involved in this squad, but he's been putting the ball in the back of the net more often than Sargent. You got Joe Acchini who's been putting the ball in the back of the net over in the French second division a lot more. And they, they got guys that are just feeling themselves. Jesus Ferreira, even Daryl DK, who we've talked a lot about this episode. It's, it's a tough spot to get into it, to, to, to break into this team at this moment. And that's a good thing if you're a U.S. fan, because hopefully that brings the best out of Josh Sargent, because you could argue he has the most potential out of anyone or out of any number nine that we have in our talent pool, even more than Ricardo Pepe. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think it's just that's kind of what's most upsetting about the situation is, is when he um, when he moved. Uh, away from Germany as we thought that this opportunity would be the chance you know now we're gonna um, see Josh Sargent kind of get better opportunities and, and kind of show us what he's really capable of but obviously that's just not the case and we may have to wait you know another season um, to get that but um, so it's just it's just disappointing because uh, we 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 know what uh, the potential that Josh Sargent may offer but as we wait around all these other players are kind of um, stepping up to the occasion and, and taking their opportunity. So um, who knows by the time that um, Norwich, if they do get relegated, by the time that that happens, maybe it might be too little too late for Josh Sargent and Ricardo Pepe has taken over. Um, Jesus Ferrer has taken over. Daryl DK has taken over. So we'll see, um, you know, what time tells. But um, like you said, the, de the depth pool is getting deeper.